The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. someone you know has a child with autism in their family, answers and support can be hard to come by. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. We will offer practical information for parents of children of all ages, as well as explore treatment topics and recent research related to autism. Now, here is this week's host. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. Uh, as you guys know, I'm, I'm the Vice President of Business Development at Autism Spectrum Therapies. I've been here for, God, we're getting close to 10 years. Um, and I'm a board-certified behavior analyst uh, who's been providing ABA services for close to 12 now and uh, working with individuals with special needs and, and other uh, developmental disabilities uh, probably for close to 15. Really excited to be here. Uh, I, I kind of prepped you guys for this show last week, and, and I'm really excited to, uh, to talk to my guest and my friend, Dr. Gina Chang. Um, but before we go there, you know, I, I always love to give you guys kind of some thoughts and some insight into what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, and what people are really communicating back to me. And most of the time, I like to talk to you guys about clinical stuff or, or talk to you about services or therapies. And uh, I find myself this week thinking more along the lines of kind of the business of autism services. And, and what I mean by that is the, the funding. And as you guys know, I'm, I'm really active in that uh, here at AST, really been working hard on the insurance uh, services that we provide and read that recent article that came out or the recent news from the CDC that now they're projecting that one in 50 children have autism. And I, I was talking to a friend about that, and, and my friend is, is not a BCBA, is not a clinician, it, just a business person, someone with more of a healthcare, hospital background. And he said to me, man, I read that article, you know, that must be a big impact on you. Um, I wonder what that's going to mean for insurance. And then I kind of thought about it for a second, and at first I thought, well, what do you mean by that? And then it hit me. These numbers are going up. Things are going to change. And it may be for the better or there's a good chance it may be for the worse. It may be that the system needs to change. And I think that it's important for us to keep in mind that these changes, these, this news seriously does impact the funding. And I think it really makes it even more important for us to articulate why funding needs to be in place what services should look like, how services should be provided, and really making that clear to the insurance companies, making it clear to the schools, making it clear to state funding organizations, and, and even to our politicians. 
um, because with this increase, with these new statistics, I know there's going to be new conversations. And my friend really made that clear to me. Uh, a report like this is not lost on other groups and other parts of the community. They're talking about it, but they may not have the knowledge that you and I have. And they may not be privy to the conversations that we get to have with one another, whether it be on Facebook, whether it be here on the show, or just whether it be over coffee as we, we talk with our friends and, and our support systems. Uh, and we've got to let them know what's going on. We've got to really educate them to make sure that good decisions are being made uh, on behalf of our children, on behalf of ourselves, and that we continue the momentum of what we've been creating. Because now that you have over 30 states in the country with mandates that have insurance companies funding services for kids, that access to quality services is gradually increasing across the country, more and more professionals are getting into the field who are well-trained and passionate. Uh, we want to make sure that all of this momentum continues so we can get there better and faster and sooner because there's still a lot of work to be done. And, and listening to a lot of you guys on Facebook and, and from emails, I know there's still a lot of people who need help and need support and we can all get it to them. So it's really a time for us to keep the hard work going. Um, the good news is I think the country is going to be ready for this dialogue. We have April right around the corner. Autism Awareness Month is right around the corner. And I think we have this great forum and this great month to really have a different platform, more news coverage, uh, more events, et cetera, where we can have these dialogues. So let's get to my guest. And uh, as I said last week and today, I'm just really excited that she's here. Um, I was really inspired by the talk that she just gave recently. Um, and I really wanted her to come on and, and share her unique and uh, really important point of view. Uh, so this week I'm joined by my friend, Dr. Gina Chang. Uh, Gina received her PhD in applied developmental psychology from Claremont Graduate University with a concentration in developmental disabilities. She's a board certified behavior analyst, doctoral level, with over 12 years of experience working with persons with autism and other developmental disabilities. Her expertise includes early intervention, parent education and support, clinical supervision, adolescents with autism, school consultation, and staff development. Dr. Chang's research interests include approaches to increasing generalization of skills, alternative and augmentative forms of communication, video modeling, and the implementation of empirically validated treatment techniques. She's presented her research at numerous conferences, uh, locally and nationally and has been published in the peer-reviewed Journal of Special Education Technology. Dr. Chang also co-authored a chapter in Admiral Dawson uh, Gershwin's Autism Spectrum Disorders, which was uh, published in 2011. And if all this isn't enough, she's also uh, my colleague here at AST. Um, she's our senior clinical director of our Southern California regions, which means she is an integral oversight of everything we do here in Southern California, working with all of our teams uh, to make sure that we're providing the best services possible. Gina, thanks for being on the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So um, 
I thought the best way to start was for maybe you to tell us a little bit about um, about the talk you gave and, and what it was about. I, I, I haven't spoiled it for everyone just uh, <laughs> yet. I wanted you to be the one to, to fill us in. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, um, it was it was a a great um, time. Basically, um, myself and the founder, um, Roni, Dr. Roni Malko, um, did a presentation concerning. Um, socialization, recreational social skills, and building community for um, children, teens, and adults with special needs. And I think um, it, it was just a good time. We, um, you know, it was open to um, families and, and the professional community. And the emphasis was really on talking about kind of where where are we going with services, and and to really talk about the how critical. Um, our approach to socialization and, and the development of social skills um, is in intervention and how that really needs to be sort of the foundation on which we look to build, you know, independent living skills and, and we look to kind of create a future for um, persons um, with developmental disabilities. And, you know, I know you had a pretty diverse group there. It was a combination of professionals and, and parents as well. And I was just curious what the what was the reaction from everyone there? You know, was this? I know you were throwing out some new ideas. Right. Uh, was everyone really excited and motivated and open to it, or was there any resistance? I mean, in general, I think a lot of the feedback we heard, um, I would say, especially from you know, kind of some of the other clinicians in, in the audience, was just um, you know that this really is a missing perspective in the sense that you know I think everybody would completely agree that social skills are, are very important um, and, you know, necessary, but that I think not maybe acknowledging or really understanding that as we approach our clinical practice, like that really has to be driving that, that you know, the ability for a child and, and then a person and then an adult to engage socially is really what kind of makes up the foundation of them being able to, to engage in sort of an independent um, living community. So, um, you know, I, th- I think it's we, we as clinicians sometimes we get kind of hung up on like these discrete um, kind of tasks that kids need to learn, or, or we're going to maybe approach. Um, you know, we're very good at realizing that a child needs to know their colors or their numbers, and I think um, and that makes sense because culturally that's what we teach, right? When we send a kid to school, they go to school to learn those things. They don't go to school um, explicitly to learn social skills, even though that's of course an incredible byproduct of of what they're doing. And I think in the same way, I think as, you know, as a field um, that is working with children with disabilities and then as they grow older, I think we've gotten very good at teaching, you know, the specific discrete activities that we teach in school, but we haven't, I think, progressed as much at teaching the very foundational and basic um, and then and then escalating to the more sophisticated social skills that are really necessary to um, help somebody be more independent and and able to contribute more meaningfully. So I think that was just a perspective that a lot of clinicians really appreciated mm-hmm. um, receiving. I think as far as, um, you know, resistance, I, I would say there were definitely some parents where I think, you know, talking about where cause the, the other premise of the conversation was, are we willing to sort of confront the plan for, for your child in five, ten years? Mm-hmm. So I think that's an that's incredibly difficult. And as a clinician who's worked alongside so many families, that is incredibly difficult. It's incredibly difficult to initiate that conversation, and it's incredibly painful for families to sometimes engage in that conversation. And so I definitely think there was some resistance to, I don't really want to think about 
um, five or ten years from now um, because of maybe some of the implications that would have. Um, so I think that that would be more where there was resistance. I think otherwise there's a lot of um, almost like a sense of like um, I think relief when people hear what we talk about because I think it is the, been the missing piece all along in in the way that services have been how people have been clinicians traditionally have been approaching services. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you gave us a lot to think about Sorry. there. And I, <laughs> no, I, I love it because I, I actually, you know, it's responses like that that get me excited. Uh, same thing happened last week where it's now I have like five different questions <laughs> for you. But I don't want us to get cut off. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. Okay. Um, we'll be right back after this. And we got to take a break. We'll be back. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we are committed to supporting families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, creating futures for individuals with autism. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Why do people behave the way they do? The study of human behavior is one of the most interesting facets of life. Human behavior gets played out in a limitless number of ways. Now, there's a radio program that explains the why and the how of what we do. Human Behavior, What a Trip, is hosted by Dr. Jonathan Brower and will include interesting guests as well as call interaction from people like you. Let's have fun with this together. Listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. Uh, I'm your host, Rob Haupt, and I'm joined by my good friend, Dr. Gina Chang. Um, Right before the break, you really gave us I think the foundation of what I want to talk about. Um, and I, I'm just really interested by that, the responses you got and, mm. and, and how those responses from your talk really got you thinking. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And kind of where I wanted to start was um, this, this gap. And, you know, I, I, I really like the way you were describing these, the way we kind of break things down. And I almost kind of think, you know, we get into these such discrete skills that there seems to be this gap from how do we take these discrete skills and have them tie into a, a bigger future plan. Right. And I guess what I was wanted to start with is this, you know, I, I, I think about what you said, the idea of colors and the academics or writing and reading. 
And I think about the social skills that we, um, we all as a field really emphasize with our little ones. We talk about eye contact. We talk about turn taking. We talk about play skills. Um, but then we, we don't always go beyond that. Right. And, I, and I guess I was wondering from your perspective, what, sh- what is that gap? It's like what is it that we're missing in teaching these social skills um, and is it that we're not targeting it or is it that services are changing and we're not – there isn't this lifelong support? Like what is the gap and where is it coming from? Um, yeah, I mean I, I think there are a number of um, responses to that question. I, I think one of the um, – one of the interesting things that I found, and I know, you know, in California, which this doesn't apply to everybody, but, you know, we have a regional center system. But I think um, we're seeing this even with um, our relationship with insurance companies is that, you know, you're, you're in the middle of treatment, and let's say you've um, – you, you, do, you have to start with the basics, right? So I don't want to mm-hmm. get across, away from the fact that there uh, – from a – at a beginning level, you have to you work on eye contact, and and it may be mm-hmm. more discreet. And you work on greetings, and you work on you know joint attention, and and those things are absolutely necessary. And I think as a field, we're, we're doing those things. Mm-hmm. But I think you know as a child is progressing and making progress, then you know there there is there is definitely pressure from a funding perspective of um, you know the child's had ABA for two and a half years. Um, how is this? You know, meeting. You know, what's your exit criteria? Where you know, the, surely this child is plateauing. We get told quite a bit, and so I think there's a lot of pressure that when you're actually getting to the more functionally based skills, when you're looking at how this child is going to be able to engage in their environment, that that a lot of funding sources are deciding. Well, that means you're close to ending. Like that's mm-hmm. now you're on your way out. Oh, you only need you know two hours a week to do that, and so I think unfortunately. Um, you know, I guess I think it's twofold. I think, unfortunately, there's this aspect of the funding sources, you know, just, I mean, I'm probably just from a financial perspective are just are needing to, to drive down the length of service. And so as you're getting to these more functional skills, which I would say need to actually be more the bread and butter of what we're doing, we're getting told, oh, the kid's ready to, to no longer need services. Well, I think uh, it's listening to you. It, the definition seems to be a big problem. It's we can't agree if the funding source, the parent, and the provider have different definitions of what done is or what's the need for mm-hmm. treatment. Right. It sounds like you're saying a, a certain definition is really what our outcome should be. We should accomplish right. these goals, but their definition is maybe short of what of what we want to see. And it sounds like that difference of definitions is probably our biggest hurdle of needing to educate of what needs to be next of uh, no know, absolutely hey. and i would I would say that's the that's the other piece as far as where I think co- clinicians need to be leading more because mm-hmm. I do think if you know if I'm honest when I started in the field twelve years ago, you know I don't know that we were that we were even initiating the conversation of where is this child going to be in ten years. Yeah. And what is the support and what are, what are the things that have to be in place for this child to be as successful as they are, can possibly be? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, um, sometimes maybe as clinicians 12 years ago, we were, we were satisfied with some of the gains we were seeing, but we weren't driving that, that question as, mm-hmm. as, um, and that process as effectively as we could have been. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, I would say the shift that's happening is I think 
a lot of us are realizing, and, and I think it's, it's really been driven by the fact that now we are watching a lot, of the, a lot of the folks that we've worked with, a lot of the persons with developmental disabilities that we worked with when they're three turn mm-hmm. 13. Yeah. And we're, we're realizing, wow, this, this is not, it can't be that they're done. You know, it can't be that yeah. they are no longer receiving services. And so I think it's, it's just really, I think that's kind of the big shift from a, as a clinician and then as, as a family is, is advocating and educating that we really need to be having these conversations from the beginning of where, you know, where this person will be in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And are mm-hmm. we programming? Are we effectively working with them to get them there? Now, you know, you, you talk about the, the where to get them in 10 years. And, you know, I, I wonder how you, you talked about that that was a challenge for some of the parents in the mm-hmm. audience. And, you know, I could see that. I could see why that would yeah. be really challenging. It's, it's, I, I, I would think if, if I could put myself in their shoes for a second, it's by me defining what my child is going to be like 10 years from now, am I limiting him? Am I limiting her? Am I saying this is as far as you can go? Um, and am I either giving up or am I holding them back in some way? And so I, I guess how, how can a family or how can a parent, um, I guess, cope with that? Or, or is that even true? Is, are, are they really locked in by identifying what a five, ten-year plan should be? Well, and I think, you know, I would, I would say absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think these are, it's, it's creating guideposts mm-hmm. um, that are always, I think, up for, up for reevaluation. Mm-hmm. you know? So I think... Um, but I think my experience time and time again is that the lack of guideposts is mm. only resulting in a child not being equipped. Mm. So, um, you know, a family really just, and I'm going to oversimplify, and I hope um, I, I'm being incredibly sensitive in this, and, and I don't want it to come across as dismissive, but I think all too often, you know, the family's stuck on this the skill that the child hasn't learned um, and wants us to focus on that. And a lot of times they are more academically based or um, when the conversations we really need to be happening are, how are we going to, you know, equip this child to, to be able to, you know, um, be completely independent in their um, hygiene skills, mm-hmm. which, you know, mm-hmm. again, and, and I'm a massive fan of Peter Gerhardt, and I know you've had him on your show. And but I mean, he, you know, he's um, a proponent of this of the fact that we're not doing enough to equip those skills mm-hmm. to create an ability to be independent in that capacity. And and that's just setting so many people with developmental disabilities up for um, being continuously dependent, putting themselves mm-hmm. in in places in jeopardizing situations. And so I think those are the conversations where I think you know parents sort of potentially, because they, they are obviously just really hoping for the best for their children, but can unfortunately want to put a lot of effort in some capacities that I think five years down the line aren't going to generate the kind mm-hmm. of independence we need. To yeah. See. And I think, you know, to, to take it from another perspective, too, uh, you know, you mentioned what things were like 12 years ago when you first started yeah. in the field. And I wonder um, how much training are all the behavior analysts out there getting. Uh, you know, last week we had uh, Dr. Robin William, or McWilliam on the show, and he was talking a lot about 
you know, ABA courses out there do a great job of making you really, really good at ABA, mm-hmm. but they don't always teach you how to be a good trainer or how to yeah. be a good consultant or how to be a good um, developer when it comes to teaching other skills. And we were talking about how, you know, I, I come actually from a counseling background. My, my master's was in counseling and that's where um, I had to take a bunch of counseling classes yeah. before I even took ABA. And I now look back on how great that was because they actually just, the whole point was for a year is this is how you talk to another human being. And do we need to do a better job as a field working with our staff to be able to lead a parent through this? Because I wonder how, if this is scary, this is difficult, but what kind of role should we be playing in guiding a family and presenting a conversation in a way that isn't intimidating because I know I would be intimidated if this was my kid. I, I, I have no doubt in the world yeah. that I would be intimidated. No, I mean, I think, I think you've hit it by kind of the nail on the head. I mean, this is exactly, I mean, we, we absolutely need to be doing a better job. And I think even we were just meeting with um, um, a, um, a neuroscientist, um, um, Dr. Evian Gordon, and hmm. um, he was talking a lot about, you know, how, how basically, you know, just psychology in general, but then I'd say even, I would say even more specifically ABA, you know, we can be so deficits focused. So we, mm. you know, when we do our assessment, it's all about the things the kid can't do, right? And then right. it's all about, um, you know, the problems in the environment. And then, um, and one thing he talked about is just this movement towards a strengths-based approach. And mm-hmm. um, I think it, it just resonated so much with me about how, as clinicians, and, and I'm definitely guilty of this, but, you know, we show up in a home, and it, it can be almost punishing to a parent. Every time we show sure. up, we're telling them what they're not doing right, or we, we talk about the deficit that the child has, or um, every time a report's done, and instead, what would it mean and to, to look at, at a person with ASD and look at their strengths and say, how do we maximize those strengths? How do we capitalize on what is working here? How do we, you know, even from the parent's perspective, how do we capitalize on what the parent does really well? Yeah. Um, versus always trying to fill in what isn't working. And, and I just, that also really, you know, kind of um, really hit me as like, how do I change my practice? And then how do I lead um, our supervisors who are, you know, at every moment with these families, like how, how are we not being as effective as we could because we're not, mm-hmm. we're not taking this kind of approach to um, supporting them. God, and how much does it contradict ABA in and of itself? Reinforcement, yep. positive yep. reinforcement. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've got, uh, we've got another commercial that we need to take. Uh, so we'll take another break. And then I want to talk more about the social skills because um, I, I think there actually are some great similarities to what you're talking about with our conversation last night with uh, Dr. McWilliam. So I want to kind of get your thoughts on that when we come back from this break. Great. We'll be right back, guys. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. 
At AST, we are committed to supporting families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, creating futures for individuals with autism. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, I'm Rob Haupt, your host, and I'm joined by my good friend, Dr. Gina Chang. Um, You know, I want to get back to the social skills piece, and... I think you were you were talking about goalposts, and I I was kind of thinking back to something that uh, Dr. McWilliams said last week on our show, and we were talking a lot about generalization, and we were talking a lot about the idea that I know you wholeheartedly buy into is the idea of of working on generalization as you're working on acquisition. Yeah. Um, so that way you may, your acquisition may take slightly longer, but your generalization will be that much, so much faster and that much more robust. Right. And so we were talking about these ideas and, and it got me thinking, um, about what you were saying, um, and the, this idea of goalposts and if by not having goalposts and not having, I guess, services in place, like, are we... Are we as professionals holding ourselves back? And what I mean by that is if we are stuck in this discrete skill mentality because we don't have goalposts set up for the future, do we lock ourselves in? And by locking ourselves in, um, in the way things are set up, how can we get generalization to occur? So that idea that you and I talked about um, right after your presentation of, great, I've taught play skills, I've taught mm. social skills, I've taught eye contact, but will that automatically generalize to the locker room? Yeah. And will that automatically generalize to a chess club or a computer club or um, 
at, you know, being part of a team. And this, it, it feels like we're kind of lacking these, this forum and even services when there is a forum to help promote that generalization. Right. Because that's where I feel like me at 10 years old, I, I was kind of past play. I, I was I was playing baseball. I was playing soccer. I was trying to get started playing football. And those social skills were very different than the social skills in the sandbox. Right. And so I guess is there is there something we can do and is there and is more specifically I guess for our listeners, are there things parents should be looking for to help close that gap? Um, from their service provider. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, I think in general, the field has gotten, um, you know, our mastery is is of the in-home ABA program. <laughs> so we have absolutely mastered, um, I would say in general, not, you know, um, in general, we are do a really good job of working one-on-one with a child sure. and, um, and, and teaching those rudimentary skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, the critical thing, and I know like the effort we're putting forth at AST is to is to really look at developing social skills in group context. So, you know, one of the things we talked about is um, a, a few years ago, AST sponsored um, the Sandy Miss Little League, and um, and again, the intent behind that is that you know those those social skills that we're teaching in a one-to-one context or a one-to-two context, you know, those are fine, but. As kids get older, and especially boys who are, you know, four times like more likely to be our clients, mm-hmm. um, they they are they have a very different social behavior um, as far as what socialization looks like for them. So, and this is where I actually love that my training is in developmental psychology because, you know, we look at what a typical ten-year-old boy is doing, and they're running around in teams, and even when mm-hmm. you see them on the playground, and it's not very structured. It's very um, group-oriented. There tends to be a leader. They tend to be um, organizing groups to take on challenges together. So it's, um, it's a very different kind of play than, you know, two girls. And, mm-hmm. um, and girls tend to do a lot more sort of one-on-one play, which almost is more similar to what we teach in a one-to-one ABA home program than, mm-hmm. than this boy um, social activity. And so a big thing that we've been trying to do is to, is to look at that and then look at how do, we, how do we participate in facilitating that in our community. So whether it's partnering with recreational activities, um, like like soccer leagues and baseball leagues, um, and and having our staff learn how to how to be in that context and and add to that context, um, mm-hmm. and, and help the child engage in that. Or um, another thing we've been doing is group social group social skills groups. So again, you know, just because a child is has great joint attention with a, a therapist in the home actually has no bearing on whether or not they're going to have great joint attention with a peer in the midst of a group activity. And so, mm-hmm. you know, needing to, again, not see training as or not see intervention as, the, as ending with that in-home program, but really, um, again, working with funding sources, explaining to them, and then really driving um, services so that there, there are all these group contexts where, um, where kids can have exposure you know, and, and have, um, get to use those skills and, and oftentimes in some ways develop them for the first time in those kind of contexts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and one of the other things I, I think about, you know, I'm, 
because of my childhood, I'm, I always think sports first. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up in a very sports-heavy family. Even my sister was, was, was an athlete. And, um, and, I, and I think about, you know, okay, you, you talked about boys are in, in this group, are, are in this group pack mentality. And I know naturally competition comes with that. And there's this desire to win. And so, you know, right away, my mind goes to, are there enough good programs and enough good opportunities for our kids on the spectrum to learn how to play sports? Yeah. Um, And I don't mean from me or you, like, I don't mean from a BCBA, you know, like I think of, um, I want to, there's a group, um, you know, I still play softball every Wednesday, as you know, and Mm -hmm. not sure if our audience does. (laughs) But I love it, love it, and, and I, it's it's one of the highlights of my week. Right. And one of the batting cages I go to for uh, my own personal practice sponsors a every Saturday morning they have a clinic for yeah. kids on the spectrum, and it hit me how few of those types yeah. of things are out there. But how critical would it be um, for you know if, if I could work with a ten year old who somehow has that that fortunate opportunity to go to this place. Um, get that type of training and what kind of social skills program could we do on the little league field right. and what kind of supported intervention could we do out there? It would be, it would be amazing. Yeah. Um, and I, and I worry that there a big reason why probably there's not more programs out there is not that people don't want to give up the, their time or the resources, but maybe they're just not aware that this is a big need. Um, I know the, the guys I, I talked to, it's this great place in El Segundo. They're called a Beach City Baseball Academy. Hmm. And they said that they didn't even know what kind of need it was. It was like an accident that they started this program oh. because someone's little brother came in, is if I recall the story. It's, you wow. know, it was this cool thing, yeah. but they, they didn't even know what they were starting and how big it was going to be and what a need there was. So I wonder how much of us kind of educating the the soccer clinics and the baseball clinics and all these different places that there's this great opportunity or this great need in the community, what a difference that could make. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I think it's interesting. We, um, you know, we work up in um, um, the high desert and basically mm-hmm. um, there was a very similar interaction that our supervisor had where she, she was at like a bounce house and just started talking with one of the owners. And then, and next thing we knew it, the guy wanted to do an autism night and, and have sort of free wow. access to it. And it was just really, um, really neat. And, but it was, again, it was one of those like, no kind of not, a, just not aware, you know, right. and not sure, um, not aware of how big that need would be. You know, another thing I was kind of curious about, and, and I, I know you don't have any research behind this, but it, it, it I, I happen, I just go there automatically um, because I think most people who are familiar with ABA know that the majority of people, the vast majority of people providing the service are female. Um, I know I'm, I've always been in the minority yes. from a headcount standpoint at <laughs> AST. Uh, right. And I wonder how much, you know, I wonder how much that factors in or if it even matters of, um, you know, that 14-year-old, would, would social skills look a little different um, with a more of a balanced male-female ratio? Um, I know on the flip side, though, at 14, you're pretty interested in girls. And a, <laughs> and a female teaching social skills may be more reinforcing, too. So, right. 
Yeah, but I, I do. I mean, I, I do agree. I mean, I do think there's, you know, one thing we always sort of joke about is that, you know, the kids that sort of get the, the male interventionist, um, they love it because I think there is kind of a, a dearth of that in our field. And I think there is yeah. sort of a unique perspective and way of playing and engaging in social skills um, that, you know, males bring. And I, I do think, again, you know, I think the ability to kind of get the community in general, behind this, yeah. and and create that ex- level of exposure and that level of building relationships, um, are is really valuable. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I mean, I'm thinking back. Um, t- I, I wasn't probably the best interventionist uh, back in the day to sit and work on play skills. But if you needed me to gather, you know. 10 eight-year-old boys to create a basketball game like that right. was my thing and <laughs> my, some no, of my absolutely. guys loved it right <laughs> um you, you kind of mentioned something to me before kind of as we were prepping for the show that i was i was hoping to kind of jump into um and i know one of the the big obstacles that that you see for the future is funding right um but i thought you you had a really interesting point of view because you know, when I think funding, I automatically go to insurance and I automatically go to um, state funding. And, and I think you had a little bit of a different sense of funding. And I was hoping maybe you could uh, expand on that for all of us. No, I, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, um, yes, I, you know, I think I, I have also traditionally thought of funding as like insurance companies and state funding and, and just sort of where are we getting resources from. But I think more recently, um, and I know you've had um, – Dr. Malko on and, and Judy Mark, um, who, who did a trip to Israel um, to sort of look at um, what independent living um, looks like in, in their communities. Um, and I think one of the big things that um, Dr. Malko and I have talked about is the fact that there is such a commitment from private funding sources in Israel um, that really is what is allowing um, them to have such exceptional facilities. Um, and such exceptional intervention and services for for persons with um, developmental disabilities, and how unfortunately that stands in contrast to to the United States. And, and then, mm-hmm. I, and I think that's just been very um, eye opening. I, I think another, you know, if anybody gets a chance, there's an amazing video on YouTube called "Fixing Autism," and it's um, it, you will cry, <laughs> but um, it's amazing. And it's a dad, and he's kind of holding up flashcards um, about. Um, the realities of what it's been for him um, to kind of go through the process of having his daughter diagnosed with autism. And but one of the things that he highlights is just the lack of, of funding in comparison to other, um, you know, uh, pediatric uh, disabilities and diseases. And I think um, th- that also really, really struck me. It's like we, the United States is an incredibly uh, philanthropic um, uh, uh Nation. I mean, we we give a lot of money to a lot of different causes, and I think it was surprising um, that we just have still not yet been able to drive funding more things for persons with autism or with yeah. developmental disabilities. And I think that, and again, that goes back to the education piece. It goes back to um, what are those efforts? So I think. That's what I think has I think is really the untapped resource um, yeah. that is going to be what's going to carry persons with developmental disabilities from you know birth into um, 
um, you know, late adulthood is is the commitment from our community and and from us as an entire culture to to value and to um, you know value ways to integrate and value ways to give them an environment where they feel like they contribute meaningfully and. Um, so I think that's just that's more of a cultural shift that needs to happen. Um, sure. But I think it's there. Like I, I think we're we're definitely a very generous um, nation. It just I think people need to understand what what we are facing. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I want to come back to this thought, but we got one last commercial we're going to take. So we'll be right back after this. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we are committed to supporting families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, creating futures for individuals with autism. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Are you looking for a 21st century first aid kit? You don't have to suffer nor take on the increasing expense of health care. Tune in to Good Vibrations. Catch the wave to better health. Your host, Lynn Waldrop, will show you how many common and even uncommon aches, pains, and ills can be remedied through sound, color, and light. While it may sound like these are new concepts, believe it or not, these are actually ancient methods that still make sense today. Create a healthy life. Listen Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, Back to the program. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. We're here with our, our final segment with Dr. D- Gina Chang. You know, Gina, just to, to follow up on that, that closing thought you had, yeah, I think you're right. We, we do have this really generous and this great community and culture. But it is, it is interesting. I know I was, I was taken aback, too, by just the, the type of private funding and, and not necessarily from, like, individuals but from like businesses and organizations yeah. you know it, it, like the truly the broadest sense of private right. funding um and it's it, it's very interesting how um I, I wasn't clear if that was an awareness thing in israel or if it was just 
um, that they just had a different philosophy when it came to developmental disabilities. I, I wasn't 100% clear on that, but it clearly was different. Yeah. Um, and there were some good things happening there. We have a couple minutes left, and I guess the, the thing I want to maybe end with is we've been talking a lot about this lifelong service and the idea that services can change and, and what we still need to do. And I guess, if do you have any advice? Uh, this was a question that came up on our mailbag a few weeks ago, and, and I thought it would be a great question in lieu of this dialogue is, do you have any advice for a parent out there who says, I'm, we're graduating, we're leaving the one-on-one world of ABA. What should I be looking for next? What should I, um, what kind of services, what kind of offerings, you know, is, is, there, is there some advice for that mom out there? Because I know you get that question all the time um, working with families here in California. Uh, you know, I, I guess it, it would the answer would you know depend on the context as far as what's available. But I, I definitely think at the at the very least, I think make a commitment that you are going to engage your child in social environments. Take you know it's still it's still all ABA at the end of the day. So uh, most parents who graduate you know from AST, for example, understand reinforcement. They understand um, creating those contingencies. So apply them. Like don't don't be afraid. Um, you know, try to set up things with maybe if you've got safe, you know, family members or, um, you know, nieces and nephews for your child, but don't, don't let it stop. I think keep pushing to, to be in the community, to be, you know, requiring the eye contact when you're at the store. Teach them manners, you know, require, keep, keep driving that. Don't, I think, um, and I, I mean, I know every parent feels this and, and so many that I talk to, but it's like you, you, are, you are the best advocate um, for your child. And, and really, if you, keep, if you keep driving those things forward, like they will, you know, they will, um, they will happen. And I think that's where, you know, create the, the, the guidepost and, and, and set what you want your child to be in, a, in, you know, six months, a year, and then just keep working on it, even if it's, you're not taking data or it's, it's incidental, like keep going forward. I think, um, and I think where possible, I absolutely like advocate to get social skills groups or to um, create, you know, um, recreational activities where, where there are, um, a, 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 sorry, what's the word I'm looking for, where, where, where children with autism or persons with ASD mm-hmm. can participate. So mm-hmm. whether that is, you know, kind of like you said, like I think families that are free are, are more able to talk about the diagnosis with other people, then oftentimes doors get open. So like you're talking about the family with, um, or the little brother um, at the, at the um, place where um, you go to the batting cages and how mm-hmm. that, you know, them just becoming aware made them kind of create a, um, something for, for that child. I think similarly, like I think parents, if they get out there and say, hey, you know, can we do something different? Like well, when is it not so busy and we can, you know, do a, an activity and, and get, get the word out? I think those have been incredibly powerful things to keep, mm-hmm. you know, creating opportunities. So, well, you know, I think what you, what you just said is, is a really great kind of final thought for everyone too, is, you know, when it, by asking, when is it not so busy, you know, it, it, are those types of things. Um, I, I remember learning uh, that strategy and, and I, I must apologize to the audience. I forgot to pass this on before. Um, Caroline Wilson, who's the executive director of the Autism Society of Los Angeles, mm-hmm. I remember her a bunch of years back telling me that that was one of her top strategies. She would talk to fa- uh, a, a business or, or some sort of service about like when, when things are slower, 
She would create opportunities where things were a little bit slower and the kid, her children or other kids or whomever could go out there and um, access, participate. And she basically would imply like, hey, by having us come here, I'm going to spread the word to other families right. and we'll spread the word to other families. And I guarantee you, we're going to increase your business yeah, absolutely. because absolutely because we are a very loyal community. Right. And when we know that our kids are welcome and yep. our kids can access, we're not going to just spread the word to the other parents of who have kids who are my child's friends, but maybe the older sibling who isn't on the spectrum, I'm going to spread the word to those parents of his friends too. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's amazing what a great um, leverage piece it can be of the promise of business, especially, I guess, in this economy. Uh, yeah. That can be a, probably a pretty powerful tool for a parent um, to maybe help get some access to some different activities that are maybe a little less um, excited about having them right. at first. Sure. No, I think, I mean, I think we've, I think our society has adopted a pay it forward mentality. And I think this yeah. is exactly what we should be communicating with companies and businesses to do, you know? Yeah. So we only have a couple of minutes left. So I just okay. want to thank you for being on the show. Um, I, I really appreciate you taking the time out to, uh, to talk to us uh, about your presentation and just kind of share your thoughts. Cause I, I, I really, I think we talk to a lot of different people on the show with unique perspectives. Um, but we, we really, it's important for us to hear what's happening on a day to day basis. And I know it's, it helps me immensely. It helps me be a better host. It helps me be a better guide um, to our listeners um, and to you know, the people who are checking out the website and our blogs and all those different resources. Um, and I know we all learned a lot from your experiences and you gave some great tips. So I appreciate it. No, thank you so much. It's such a right. pleasure. Awesome. Uh-huh. Uh, so two minutes left, everybody. Um, just want to close. You, you really got my, my, kind of final tip and thought there. And, I, and I'm really glad that Gina reminded me of, of what Caroline said because uh, I, she is great at really opening up doors in uh, the Los Angeles community. Um, she's been incredible with that. Um, wow, I am just blown away that April is right upon us. Uh, I have some, some great guest lines up for April. I almost want to keep a little bit of a surprise because we really have, um, I think, some incredible conversations coming up. Um, I know one of our conversations is going to be with a really just amazing, unique, and inspirational individual who is on the spectrum, who just has such a, an amazing voice and, and such an amazing presence, um, and is, uh, is an author that I think uh, you will all enjoy hearing. Um, we'll hear from some professionals, and we'll hear about some amazing um, just things that are happening in our community. So I'm really excited for a, a really great Autism Awareness Month with some fabulous guests. Um, as always, please, please, please love to hear your questions, love to hear your feedback. So you can email us at moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. I get all of those emails every time you send them. And you can post on our Facebook page as well, which is the Autism Spectrum Therapies Facebook page. Um, I am the one responding uh, Sometimes indirectly, but uh, I'm the one responding uh, to uh, your questions as well, making sure that we've got that clinical content. So I do get all that info, and uh, I'm excited because we are going to probably tomorrow post uh, film and post a, another video blog um, in this installment we've been doing to really focus in on functional communication training and uh, using it as a replacement behavior 
for some children who have some aggressive escape-maintained behaviors. If that sounded a little too clinical, don't worry. I break it all down. Um, so I hope you have a fabulous week. Hope everyone has a great end to March, and we will talk to you next week um, as we welcome Autism Awareness Month. Take care, everybody. We hope you've had some questions about autism answered this week. Autism Spectrum Radio can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please join us for another edition next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.